This message was presented at the GYC to the end in Houston, Texas. For other resources like this, visit us online at gycweb.org. Come on in. We're getting started right now. All right. Our seminar today is how to rapidly mobilize people into ministry and mission. Okay. And uh, to get started, I want to go ahead and ask you to everybody stand up. Let's all stand. My testimony today is we barely scratch the surface in most of our churches in mobilizing people into ministry and mission, but God is waking people up. Okay? If you believe that God wants you to help wake people up and get them going, then shake three hands and say, let's go for this. Do it right now. <laughs> Isn't that fun? Now, before we have prayer, I'm going to ask you this question Is there any reason why you couldn't do? the little tiny activity I just did with you, you couldn't do that little tiny activity in your home church? Just before the sermon? Why not, right? And if you did, do you think there's a better chance that more people might start doing something for the Lord? Even more than a 50-hour training somewhere? We'll talk more about that. Let's pray. Father in heaven, you have said that the shortage is the workers. You are the Lord of the harvest. And you've asked us to beg you to throw workers out of their comfort zone into the harvest. So we're asking for that, Lord. We're also asking that you will send us and that we will invite others and that you will show us simple, humble ways of cooperating with the Holy Spirit in transforming lives and preparing this whole world for your soon return. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right. So, <clears throat> in many, in my early stages of ministry, I thought, how can I get more people involved in doing stuff around here? And they told me, nominating committees tough around here. We can't fill all these slots. Now, that kind of thinking is a problem. I want you to know that already. Okay? We have the slots. Now we try to fill them. That's, that's the reverse of what we... We don't find a lot of that in the book of Acts. Okay? They did need some godly people, and they found seven deacons for a church that had about 5,000 members. Can you imagine? What if we had seven deacons for every 5,000 members? You know? So... But that was because everybody is doing something and the leaders weren't the only ones doing things. The leaders were the ones mobilizing everybody to do it. So I learned that when we would introduce our new, our, our church leaders and church board for the new year, we would bring them up to the front for special prayer. And then we'd all be facing the congregation and I would tell the congregation their main job is to mobilize you in ministry and mission. So they have fair game to go after you. 
And any of you that don't have at least three people talk to you in the next 30 days about some type of ministry, you let me know. And I'll talk to you about ministry. Okay? So what happens is we get some type of caste system. The main purpose of the church board is to serve as mentors of group leaders, ministry leaders, and members. It's the main job. They may have other titles and other things they do. Their main job is to mentor group leaders, ministry leaders, members in carrying out what God's called them to do. So, to help remind everybody, we put in our church bulletin, every Sabbath took a whole panel, and it listed all of our church board mentors. It said church board mentors. And it listed all of them, and their phone numbers. And somebody said, well, which ones are the mentors and which ones aren't? I said, the ones on the list are the mentors and the ones that aren't, aren't on the church board. <laughs> and one of the people on the church board says, I never give out my, name, my number. I said, then you can't serve. How can you serve if they can't find you? Oh. We, his name and number are there now. <laughs> so... This is how the church is to function. And we'll get into some of that and some of the ways that we can get to that point. Um, if we have time, and we might not have time, but if we have time, uh, I will explain to you how nominating committee became one of the most fun activities in our church. It just was a blessing. Now, it took a few years to get there, and it took a while to help people realize that this is not going to be a pain. This is going to be a joy. And it took a while for us to get to where we could do all of the work in one day. Just done with the nominating committee in one day. And it was a wonderful experience seeing God at work. So if we have time, I'll get into some of that. And if I have time, I'll get into church board meetings. And how that was one of my favorite meetings of the month. Because it was a chance to see God at work. I mean... When we read about meetings in the book of Acts, those were exciting times of prayer and what God is doing and how the devil's trying to beat us down, how God won and how this is happening. And, and instead of how we're going to beat each other down. Okay? But how can we get to that point? And how we migrated from a standard church board meeting and we said these are the only five categories of activities at the church board meeting. And everybody knew that. We went through those five, and it gave a chance for us to see God at work. So, I'd, we might not get to all of that, but I want to just kind of plant those seeds in your mind that nominating committee should be an incredible time to see God at work, and church board meeting ought to be an amazing time to get regular updates on how God is at work in the community and everywhere. Okay? So let's fasten our seatbelts. You ready for this? Okay, if you're ready for this, say it so I can even hear you. Amen. Okay, five of us are ready. Let's go. All right, let's do this. Read it with me out loud. Strong voice. The harvest truly is great. The laborers are few. Pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go and remain in the same house. Now we impact a little bit of this. I'll just highlight again. The harvest is great. There are millions of people 
who are not just needing to know about the Lord, but who are ready to embrace Jesus, the Bible, and the Adventist message right now. There are millions. Now, on an average Sabbath, 20,000 people join the Adventist church. Did you know that? On average Sabbath, that comes out to a million a year. Praise the Lord. Fast growth. You'd say, well, I don't see that. Well, you're in the wrong place. You've got to go way outside your comfort zone to start seeing it where it's happening. Or you've got to go outside your church comfort zone into your community more with your people to see it. But it's happening. And it's exciting once that flow begins to happen into the church. You bring them in, you build them up, you send them out. You bring them in, you build them up, you send them out. That's what a church is for. If you have the same thing happening that happened 20 years ago, something's not happening. Somebody said the most exciting thing that happened in our church in the last 20 years is when the organist fell asleep during the sermon and laid over on the keys. <laughs> well, that's not, that's not church. That's just a little formalism. So the harvest is great. At least 5%. The shortage is the workers, not paid workers. I wrote an article they published in Ministry Magazine uh, a few years ago, and it said the church, the Seventh-day Adventist church in any town, U.S., has 500 members. How many pastors, how many, how many, 500 members, how many ministers do they need? A, one, B, two, C, three or more, four, depends on how much tithe they have, five, uh, E, um, depends on how affluent and how much clout they have with the conference, or F, 500. Okay, it's F. <laughs> three or more. This guy is pretty sharp. Did you get that three or more? It includes 500. Okay, but we need more than, yes. The idea is every member is to be a minister. We're either gathering or scattering, Jesus said. He doesn't, that's, I'm glad I didn't say that. People get mad at me. But if you're not gathering into God's work, you are scattering. Okay, and, and Ellen White says in another way, she says, people who are not engaged in winning people to the Lord will continually be backsliding and take more energy from the pastor. Okay, so I don't want members to be backsliding, so I'll put them to work. Okay. So, sent, beg the Lord, that's where it starts, to throw workers out of their comfort zone. All of us have a comfort zone. If you imagine a circle around where you are, and everything in that circle you're very familiar with, you're very comfortable with, it's very fine. But when you step out of that comfort zone to a new place, new circumstances, two things happen. Number one, you have terrible anxiety. Two, your comfort zone enlarges a little bit. So there's a price to pay, but it's worth the price. You get this? When we step out of our comfort zone for the Lord, we're nervous, we're scared, there's some anxiety, but our comfort zone's a little larger. The first time you give a glow track is so traumatic. It's like you're about to climb Mount Everest. Here. Please take it. And then you get, so you've done it so many times, you're just saying, here, 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 here. Hey, God bless you. Here. Have you gotten one of these yet? Have you seen this yet? Have you seen this yet? And, and it's exciting. 
I, I, was, I told you in one of the seminars I like to give two glow tracks. But, you know, when you get down toward the end, you only have one title left. And one time I was walking in my neighborhood, and most people will accept these. I mean, you get the idea that this is some big, huge thing you did for the Lord. It's nothing. It's just breathing, okay? It's just breathing. And so you, you get two titles, but I was in my neighborhood, and almost everybody accepts them. Sometimes they come running out to me, like these kids that are sitting in their garage with their mom waiting for the bus when I walk in the morning early, and the kids run out to me. And they, you know, what's new? What's new? And two weeks ago, I said, I don't have any new ones. I'm sorry. And the Holy Spirit said, well, you're going to pray for them at least. And I said, well, let's pray. I said, would that be all right? She said, well, yeah. So I walk up to the garage door opening and, and here's Sarah, I find out, and Hayden, the older one, and Colson, the younger one. And I ask, do you have any particular prayer requests? Yeah, family coming in for the holidays from, from Pasadena, California to Texas. And, and so I said, well, let's just pray. So we just prayed right there in the garage opening, open garage right there, that God would bless their relatives with safe travel and bless this home and family and this mom and these boys and anybody else who comes under this roof. And I said, amen. She said, thank you so much. And there came the bus. Well, you know, that, in my early days, I would have said, wow, Jesus freak. Weird. How could you ever? You don't even know them. In fact, my dad, who was outgoing, and I wasn't, we'd be in camp meeting, and we'd be standing in line to buy corny dogs. And he'd just start talking to somebody. He didn't even know me. He just talked to them. And I just, oh. Ooh, and, and then I knew it was coming next, and I just thought, is it worth staying for a corny dog or not? And then he'd say, and this is my son, Danny. Shake their hand, Danny. Hey, it's good. To, and afterwards, he'd say, it's good to look him in the face and smile. I go, oh, oh, that just, that's too much. And people don't believe that when they know me now. But what God has done is, when I had a conversion and I had that desire to share, I had that, I, I, at least, the Bible says, if at first there be a willing heart, Okay, when you have a willing heart and you're willing to step out of your comfort zone, whatever that is, however large or small that is for Jesus, you have some anxiety, but your comfort zone enlarges. And I don't even know where the boundaries are for my comfort zone anymore. I'm fearless. It doesn't matter. I mean, I'll be praying with somebody and they say, can we at least get out of the middle of the street? Because the car is, the light's about to, oh yes, let's get out of the middle. Or, or where we're singing praise songs in a hotel lobby in a country that's a closed country. And, and one of the guys with me says, I'm just waiting for the people to show up and arrest us. <laughs> but you know, God can use us and he wants to pull us out of our comfort zone. Isn't that right, Eric Lowe? See that guy back there? He was my intern at Richardson, one of my interns. And he taught me all I know. But he knows what it's like to be stretched out of your comfort zone, right? Just like right now. He didn't know I was going to point him out. Okay. <laughs> but um, really, where it says, beg, in, in the Greek, beg the Lord of the harvest to throw out labors, that send out is the ekbalo, is the word. And the only other times it's used in the Gospels 
is for either fishermen throwing out nets or demons being cast out. And when Jesus cast out demons, he didn't say, now, please, if you would, would it be all right if you just left them alone, please? Get out. Go out. And when the fishermen cast out their nets, they didn't, they, you know, they'd have the net and they'd have the weights around there so they could throw it out and it would sink down and they'd catch the, they'd draw it together and catch the fish. If you just kind of let it go out the edge there, it dropped down and you say, well, I guess there's no fishing around here because you're not throwing it out. Okay. And so purposely, as Luke records under inspiration of the Holy Spirit, what Jesus said, he said, beg the Lord of the harvest to throw out workers into the harvest. And that's what I'm going to try to do with you during this seminar. <laughs> okay? And that's one thing GYC does by having an outreach. Okay? By having, encouraging people. And I was so encouraged to see thousands. I think 38 buses is what Terry Vang told me. 38 buses went out. Wonderful. Wonderful. And yet we're, when you leave town, we're still left with reaching all the people in Houston. Because <laughs> this is our territory. But that's all right. We're begging God to raise up workers for the harvest. Okay? Some of them are already in Adventist churches. And many of them will come in from outside and really go to town. When I was in pastoring in Wenatchee, Washington, I had the privilege of baptizing a man and his wife. The, the woman had Adventist background. She went to Adventist schools up through academy. The day she graduated from academy, she graduated from the Seventh-day Adventist Church, which happens too often. And 27 years later and several addictions and a couple of marriages later, she knew she needed help and she wanted to get her kids in the church school. And that was great. And then she'd drive past the church on Sabbath morning, seeing if she could get courage to go inside. And after about eight or ten times, she said, I'm going inside, and that's when we got her. <laughs> okay? And that's why, if you're in the last seminar, you realize how crucial it is to have a good, positive connection with people who set foot in your church for the first time, to love on them, to care about them, and to stay connected with them. Because they've left their comfort zone to come to yours. You leave your comfort zone to go to theirs. And she was on, the lady, the man was a little bit more reserved. The woman was on fire and wanting to share. And within six months, she was a Bible worker. Two years later, she was hired by another conference to train Bible workers. To date, she's trained over a thousand people to be Bible workers and planted a church and is still going strong. God has some people who will be thrown out in the harvest who are not yet in your local church. Don't look around and say, I guess it's up to y'all to get this message out to everybody. Say, it's up to y'all and who God's working already on who's going to come in and take it farther than we can. Okay? Throw workers out and go and remain. Okay. One way to get people mobilized in ministry and mission is to give them simple things to do for God that will change lives. Simple things. You see... <clears throat> If somebody said, you want to serve Jesus? We have a special program right now for people who will share Jesus. All you need to do is to run a marathon tomorrow and then you can serve Jesus. Well, most people would say, count me out, you know. But if you say, we have a program and it means taking three steps and giving a piece of literature to somebody, then maybe we can get them started. So... 
in Richardson, when I was pastoring in Richardson, we identified four things that everyone can be. Everyone can be these. Now, they may only learn how, but everyone can be these. First one, prayer warrior. Second, glow missionary. Then home of hope and baptism coach. Everyone can be these four. That includes every one of you, no matter what your age, your training, your education, what size of church you go to. Every single one of you can do all four of these for the Lord. Okay? There's no excuse. Now, that's the seminar. Go do all four. Now, all right, let's do a little bit more of unpacking on this. Some of these are fairly obvious, but prayer warrior. We would print up a simple card. In fact, Eric Lowe, who is back there and now is working still with GYC, uh, would help us do with graphic design. But we had a little card and it said, like card, L-I-K-E. L, list people you'd like to see surrender to the Lord and be baptized soon. I, intercede with them before God. K, kindness shown through simple acts and deeds and words. E, encourage Bible study and decisions. L-I-K-E. And we give it out twice a year to everybody who came to church. We didn't give it out one per bulletin. That's usually one per family. We gave it to everybody who is 10 or older. And the younger ones, we let them take it if they wanted it. Is if they can pray, some of these young kids are some of the best prayer warriors. And they would ask God who to put on that list. And they begin interceding. And sometimes they'd see changed lives. Sometimes God would lead them to somebody else, not on the list, to change lives. But prayer warrior. So to have a little fun with this, I'm going to ask for you to pick a picture of two. And I'll just show you what can happen with prayer warrior. Okay, and you're sitting right here. Pick one of those pictures. Which one? This one or this one? Top one. Okay. All right. Here we go. This is Dennis and Debbie Four, and this is Dyke. All right. Dennis. Um, Dennis grew up. Let me make sure I have time when I'm working here, so I don't run out of time. Okay. Dennis, when he grew up, he didn't really have much of a religion, but he was exposed to an organization called the Worldwide Church of God or the world of tomorrow, Garner Ted Armstrong and Herbert W. Armstrong. Some old-timers may remember that. It was actually a Sabbath-keeping group. And he would always write for the free literature, and they'd send it to him. And he'd pile up the literature. And he didn't read it for about 15 years. During that 15 years, that denomination abandoned the Sabbath and started meeting on Sunday. Fifteen years later, he is riding a bus around town looking for a job. And he takes that literature to read while he's on the bus. And he learns about the Sabbath truth and embraces it, and learns other truths and embraces it. And then he thinks, I need to find one of these churches. He goes online for the Worldwide Church of God and he sees that they are meeting at 1201 West Beltline Road, Richardson, Texas. And so he goes there on Sabbath. The only trouble is they were renting the Adventist church on Sunday. You see, they'd abandoned the Sabbath, but he learned the Sabbath from them. So he goes and he finds the Adventist church and studies it all out, becomes an Adventist, and then finally figures out later that they left the truth and I found the truth. Awesome. (laughs) Here I am. So he and his wife were praying, what can we do to make a difference in people's lives? Lord, throw us out into the harvest. We want to be prayer warriors. 
but they feel uncomfortable around most people. And then God gave them this idea. People in nursing homes don't care if you're comfortable or not. They just love visits. And so they went to a nursing home and said, would it be okay if we visited some of the residents? Well, yeah, we got people who are never getting visits. And so they began to become friends with people in several different nursing homes in Richardson, Texas. Now, that's not hard. But when you're becoming friends, you've already prayed asking God to use you. Now you're praying for the people you're meeting. And that's when they called me up or talked to me. I'm sorry. One time on Sabbath and they said, Pastor, we have somebody who's ready to become an Adventist. Okay, that's the way it should be. Okay, Pastor, we have somebody ready to become an Adventist. His name is Dyke. He's in his 30s. He's got this debilitating disease. He's confined to a wheelchair. He's studied everything. He's gone through the lessons we've given him. And he's ready, we think. Can you come check? And I said, I'd be happy to. So I went with him and I met Dyke sitting there in his wheelchair. And we had a wonderful visit. I said, how has God brought you to this place in your life? And he talked about different things in his past and how he was so appreciative. He'd learned more and how this couple were loving him and sharing with him. And we went through all the studies. He was fully on board with all of it. He had already been baptized by immersion. And you can join, you can unite with the Seventh-day Adventist Church on profession of faith, which means I've already been baptized by immersion. And I... I know I was sincere, and so I'm just uniting by stating publicly. There in the nursing home on this day that I took this picture is when he, and actually there's a group behind me of about 15 of his new church family, are around, and we went through the commitment to the Lord, and he united on profession of faith on that Sabbath. Never had been in the church building, because he can't leave the nursing home too easily. And yet on fire for the Lord... And beginning to pray, already beginning to pray for other residents because he's a prayer warrior. You see, prayer warriors help mobilize other prayer warriors who do other prayer. Okay, so that's the story of Dyke. And as far as I know, he's still alive and still witnessing, confined to that nursing home. But everybody who will listen, he'll share with. Okay, now I'm going to let you pick one of the other pictures. This one here? Okay. This one here, all right. Melinda and her two daughters, um, one of our ladies in our church ran into them. I think she'd heard about Adventists somewhere, but they got in a conversation. And every church needs to have a lot of different groups where you are loved and loving and all the rest. We're going to do the seminar after this is on, um, yeah, it's on groups. So, so... Melinda had been through horrific experiences in relationships. Everything she'd been through was pretty tough stuff. And she needed people who she could trust and care for. And, and those women in, those group, in that women's ministry group, some of them had been through tough stuff. And they would listen to her and they would help her and they'd give her coaching and guidance and pray for her and love her and pray for her and pray for her daughters. And, and she just melted over time and surrendered her life to the Lord and it came time for her to be baptized. And it was the prayers of those ladies for her that really helped her begin to pray for others and to be melted. And we had a practice 
whenever new people were coming into the church, some of you have been at some of the other seminars I've given, the fourth Sabbath of every month was fill the baptistry Sabbath. We filled the baptistry. We prepared all new members to join by that time um, each month. And Melinda and her daughters, and then we had two hours of training, new member orientation, Friday night before. And then on Sabbath morning, we would invite all those who were uniting with the Adventist church there that day through baptism, transfer, profession of faith, um, or rebaptism to come to the platform. And we'd ask all of their family members and relatives and friends in the church to come and stand behind them in support of their baptism. And so here is Melinda and her two daughters on the Sabbath that they were baptized, all three of them baptized. And just a little bit before this, they had been in this line of people and all, guess who was all behind them? All those ladies from the women's ministry group who had been praying for them and loving them in support of their decision. And then I would go down the line and I would ask each one, how has God brought you to this place in your life? And each one would have a minute or two to share. And when I came to Melinda, I said, how has God brought you to this place in your life? And she said, I grew up in a horrible home. I ran away when I was young. I got into drugs. I needed to get drugs and didn't find know any other way. So I got into prostitution. And I became more and more hardened toward everybody and everything. And I was an awful, horrible person. And her two girls are going... making sure mom wasn't watching. And she said, but then these ladies here started loving me and praying for me and helping me. And, and Jesus has been so good to me and I've seen him because of what they've been doing. And so I'm making my decision to go God's way. We don't talk the same way at home to each other. We don't listen to the same radio stations and music. We've taken down stuff that was on the wall and put up better stuff. We, it's changed. I said, Let's all pray for Melinda. And I came to the older daughter and I said, how has God brought you to this place in your life? And she said, it's pretty much what mom said. It was really bad, but it's a whole lot better now. I thought that's quite a testimony. And then I came to the next daughter. How has God brought you to this place in your life? Same thing. Yeah. But the difference that can be made when people will pray for each other instead of pray upon each other. Okay. Pray for each other instead of pray upon each other. So prayer warriors, every one of these are stories, just story. And you have your stories, too. And God wants to keep giving all of us more and more stories. And he wants all of us to be prayer warriors. Okay, so I'm going to take just a moment and I'm going to give you uh, one minute to turn to somebody near you. And each of you pray and list at least two people specifically by name you want to see having a conversion experience and or unite with God's final movement. Take just 30 seconds each to pray for two people. Start with the person who's the shortest. Father in heaven, you are hearing these prayers like sweet-smelling incense united with the righteousness of Jesus. 
You know each of the people we're praying for better than we do. You know the number of hairs on their head. And Lord, we just ask and beg that you intervene in their life, whatever way possible, through us and through others, to turn their thoughts and hearts toward you. They're your children. And we ask that right now in response to our prayers, you will send thoughts to their mind and people across their pathway. And that very soon we will see their lives transformed and unite with you and your word and your movement. In Jesus' name, amen. Just pray often for these people. <clears throat> okay, the, another thing that everyone can be is a GLOW missionary. And last seminar I talked a lot about that, so I'm not going to tell a lot more stories about that. But everybody can give something. And if you're too afraid to, then sneak it into a public place and leave it there. Or give it with a generous tip at the restaurant when you pay. Or give it to the person when they come to take your order and say, I know you're busy now, but keep this for when you have a break. I think it'll bless your day. Okay? But you can be a glow missionary. Everybody can be a glow missionary. An invalid trapped in a bed can be a glow missionary because some caregiver comes to help them. So everyone can be. Now let's go to this next one, though. Everyone can be a home of hope. What is that? That's where you decide that where you live is going to be a light in the neighborhood around. It's going to be a blessing. You're going to let your light shine. You're going to pray for your neighbors, even if you don't know their name. And you are going to look for ways to connect with them on a regular basis and and if you cook, you cook something for them. And if you, if you like to jog, you jog with the joggers. And if you care about kids, then you, then you wave at the kids. And you give glow tracks. And you pray for the people in the garage, open garage door. Whatever it is, you connect with the people in that neighborhood. And they begin to see you as their neighborhood pastor. Whoever you are. That's, you know, we don't have to fight over who can be a pastor. Everybody can in your neighborhood. And if you live in a mansion or a gated community, you especially ought to let your light shine because a lot of people can't get in there. And if you live in your car and you're homeless and you're sleeping in your car, then you just say, five blocks around here, anybody who comes through here is mine for the Lord. Okay, doesn't matter. An apartment, a duplex, a trailer, where a tent and a camera, wherever. I'm going to make sure this is a light in this area right here. This is going to be a light right here. So, just so that we can illustrate this a little bit, I'm going to ask this gentleman right here, why don't you pick one of those pictures? Top, this one here? This one here? Okay, this one goes with this one. Uh, I mentioned in another seminar how we lived in a very international community for six years near the Dallas-Fort Worth Airport. And I, I like to go walking because walking is good exercise and it's a good time to pray. And you can say, Lord, bless the people in that home. I don't know who they are. Lord, help these people, help these people. But one thing that I kept running into is this gentleman right here. And he would be out in front of his house and he had a walker. And he would be walking like this out toward the sidewalk. And it was a short driveway. And I'd go out to the end and I'd be coming back and he would be making the curve, coming around, coming around, heading back home. And so I saw that and I'd say, hi, how are you? He'd go, hi. 
But I thought, I can do better than that. I've got glow tracks. And so I went up to him the first time. I finally, he was out there and he was walking and I said, um, hi. And I knew he, he looked like he's from another country. I said, hi, I'm Dan. Here's something I think you'll enjoy. Something to brighten your day. And he's there with his walker and he, he reaches out and he takes him and he put him in a little bag he had hanging from the walker. He said, thank, thank you. Start going back, right there. I learned over a period of months, his name is Mohammed. He is from Afghanistan. I met a younger lady right here, okay. So here he is outdoors on the, one of the first times I met him. He let me take a picture with him and he let me pray. I said, can I pray? And I knew what his background probably was. So when I pray with people in that background... I don't try to push anything in. I just say, dear Lord, our creator, our savior, our friend, thank you for loving us and caring for us. Thank you for my new friend, Mohammed. Bless him and all his household. Help them to know you and to walk in your pathways and to look forward to Jesus' soon return. We pray all these things knowing you care about us. Amen. He said, amen. I thought, that's wonderful. So I, over a period of several years, he got about 30 or 40 glow tracks. <laughs> and one day I saw um, this lady outside um, the house smoking. And I said, is this where Mohammed lives? Yes, yes. And then I said something I never should have said. You know, when you try to share your face, sometimes you, you stick your foot in your mouth and you, you mess up. And God will forgive that. So I said, is that your father? She said, no, it's my husband. And then she looked at me and she said, it was an arranged marriage. We're 27 years different. I understand. And she spoke fairly good English. And she, um, I'd see her sometimes and she says, I hate that I'm smoking. I said, do you want to be free from smoking? She said, I don't think I can. I said, well, I think God can help us. I just gave her a few tips. I didn't give her the whole five-day plan. You know, just a few thoughts. And then I said, let's ask God for help. Because every time we feel like grabbing a cigarette, we can reach out to God and grab a cup of water. Okay? And I don't know if she ever quit or not, but I know that after we'd moved away, we'd loaded that home with literature and some prayer. And two years later, Pastor Scott Griswold, who works here in Houston, reached the World Next Door Ministry to Immigrants and Refugees. He was at a special training in working with refugees up in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, not far from the neighborhood where we lived. And I worked with him closely and I said, you have a couple hours free, we can go out to my former neighborhood and meet some people? And he said, let's do it. So we went back and met a bunch of our neighbors in, and we knocked at this door and Here's Scott Griswold right there. This last year. And here's Mohammed and Zeba and their son and their daughter. <laughs> and then there are a few other family members. And they said, we don't see you walking in this neighborhood anymore. Where did you go? I said, well, I moved away. We missed some of those things you gave us. We love to read those. I said, well, I brought something called Steps to Christ. I think you'll like. Oh, thank you. Thank you. 
And we had prayer together right there. But you know, there are so many people who are way more open than we think they are. The barrier is between our ears. That's where most of the barriers are. Unless you're a real argumentative type, and then you're setting up artificial barriers too. But in general, people are more gracious if you're showing kindness and friendliness to them. So that happened in our neighborhood, and I pray for that family still. Okay? Now let's get another one. Let's see, who am I going to ask? I'm going to ask you to pick out another one. Middle, this area right here? Okay. So, this is Tony. Now we moved from Irving over to Burleson. I'm walking in the neighborhood there. I'm giving out glow tracks. I give out glow tracks to Tony here. He says, hey, I like these things. That's good. I said, well, let's pray for each other. And we pray for each other. And I've given him glow tracks probably once a month for about three months. And then some of our church members in Texas designed the Fishnet app. The Fishnet app feeds in all kinds of Bible study and prayer interests into a database. And if you get the proper training and authorization, now it won't work if you don't, but if you have the proper training, authorization, activation, you it will show you a map of where you are, like right here, and it'll show you all the interest within 50 miles as flags. And you click on one and it says, it is written, requested prayer in a year ago. And if you, want to, if you think, I'm going to take that one, it's right where I work, or right where I, then you can click on it and you can take it, and then you go and make contact and you load in your contact. Okay? So when this app was being developed, and by the way, they're open to working with any of your conferences. It's on a conference basis um, that, to get authorization for pastors who authorize their members. But um, when, I got, when we first started getting it up and going, first time, I'm looking and all these flags are popping up all around. And the closest flag to me is four blocks from my house. And I click on it and it says, Tony Ozuna. That guy. I'd given him glow. I'd given him, I prayed with him. What I didn't know was that he'd been through all 27 amazing fact study guides. And I just looked at the time. I thought, I think he might be home. And I ran over to that house and I rang the doorbell. And Tony said, Dan, how you doing? I said, I'm doing fine. How are you doing? I'm doing great. What's going on? And I said, Tony, we're friends. But I recently became the official representative of Amazing Facts. He says, no way. Do you know Doug Batchelor? And I said, well, I happen to, but that, you can still be a representative without doing and I said, I got, I got information that said you went through all 27 Bible study guides. Is that right? Yeah. I said, tell me about it. Yeah, I got, I don't know how I got a hold of it. I think I was watching him on TV and I signed up and, and I filled out the, the lesson and then I sent it in and then they sent me another back and I filled out, went through all, it was awesome. I said, did you learn anything new? Well, yeah, yeah. And, and I said, well, what are some of the things you learned? I learned about the Sabbath. That's wonderful. It's a blessing. And I said, well, how long ago did this happen? He said, a year and a half ago. The harvest is great, but the workers are few. And I said, well, I'd like to invite you to. He says, I already checked out that church. I've joined a Messianic church over here now. Well, it's not all over, but it makes it more complicated. 
He's going through the historical lessons right now with me. Okay? So we're friends, but that's in the neighborhood. And so there, everyone can be a home of hope. You get that picture? All right. Here's what I want you to do. One more minute. Same person you prayed with. Now pray for one or two of your neighbors each, 30 seconds each. If you don't know their name, pray for the big boat neighbor or pray for the, pray for the cussing neighbors or whatever. Okay. <laughs> Go ahead. 30, 30 seconds each. And Lord, you can hear all of our prayers and help us to be a light where we live. And help us, Lord, to let our light shine and to be good neighbors and kind neighbors and thoughtful neighbors and to show Jesus to everyone around us. Even if we live in an Adventist community, Lord, help us to be a a light for you. And so, Lord, I pray for Tony. I pray for Mohammed and Ziba and their family that you will guide them into all your ways and guide me into all your ways. And may we take this journey together as members of your final movement. In Jesus' name, amen. So a key in mobilizing people is having simple things they can do. Everyone can be a prayer warrior. Everyone can be a glow missionary. Everyone can be a home of hope. Everyone can be a baptism coach. We talked about that last seminar, so we won't unpack that here. But that's not all. Let's go on. There are four connections to start a ministry or group. All right. Everybody, stand up just for this fun. Keep you awake. It's after lunch. Got to stay awake, all right? Stand up. All right. As you're writing. Yes, stand up. And do this with me, okay? And I'm going to stand up here so you can see me, all right? Hold your hand up like you're holding it up to God and say, God. God. Okay, so you're reaching up and holding on to God. 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 Okay, now next, you take your arm and you put it around. Now, if you're not married to him, that's all right if you like them. But if you don't like them, at least just kind of put your arm and say, partner. Partner. Okay, and then next, put your hand up by your ear and say, mentor. 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 And then put your hands down like you're serving and say, flock. Flock, Flock, like a flock of sheep. Okay, flock. Okay, now we're going to do it together. One, two, three, four. Ready? God, partner, mentor, flock. Again, God, partner, mentor, flock. You pass. You can sit down. What does that mean? Here's what it means. I'm sitting in church. One Sabbath morning, I'm just getting up ready to go to preach. And this young lady right here, right here, Amanda, one of our young adults, leans forward. There's just been some music. And she says, Pastor Dan, we need a young adult choir in our church. Now I have two minutes before I go preach or three minutes. 
In my early days as a pastor, I would have said something like this. That's a great idea. Let's try to get together sometime and brainstorm this a little bit and find some people who could work together on that and then get it through the proper committees to the church board and then get it approved and then see if we can get you on the schedule with the music committee. That is in my early days. Does that tend to, does that process tend to mobilize a lot of people in ministry? Not at all. The idea is dead in the water. (laughs) It's just dead. And I had to learn that the hard way by watching people with excitement die. Okay, and that happens in too many of our churches. But you can use this God-given principle. It's very simple. Let's do it. God, partner, mentor, flock. So here I am just ready to get up to preach. And a man says, Pastor Dan, we need to have a young adult choir in our church. So I look back at her and I smile big and I say, why do you think God gave you that idea instead of me? Okay? When God gives you an idea, don't run over and find somebody else to do it. Do it. You may need to find some partners to do it, but do it. And she says, "Uh, uh, me? And I said, you're the one God gave it to. She says, but what do I do? And I said, do this, because they're just finishing some other music. Do this. God, partners, mentor, flock. She says, okay, okay, what does that mean? I said, first make sure of your connection with God. If you're not up to date with God, it only takes about 30 seconds. Confess your sins. He forgives you and cleanses you, gets you back on track. You know, the devil wants you to think it's 30 years. It's 30 seconds. If, you, if you're going to come to him, he takes you as you are right now. Don't grovel in the mud like the devil wants you to and stomp you down. You say, I'm out of here. I'm going back to Jesus because he'll take me. He died for that sin I just committed. So, so connect with God. Make sure of your connection with God. Keep it there. Because you know what? If we have any ministry in the church and the leader isn't connected to God, it's not a ministry. It's just something else. Okay, and then I said, I'm preaching now. I need to. So I said, make sure of your connection with God. Bring it up to date right away. And then, do you think you can find one or two friends to sit down and brainstorm this idea together? She said, Yeah, yeah. Usually, if God gives you the idea, He'll give you one or two partners. Okay? That's just how He is. She said, I I think I can find a couple to. Yeah, we can. Maybe, does it have to only be two? I said, As many as you want. But you sit down and you brainstorm the idea and figure out where and when and practice and, and all that. Okay, okay. I got it, got it. And I said, now there's mentor. You need to find somebody on the church board who agrees to be your mentor. They don't do the ministry for you. They may not even show up. But they will listen to your plan and they will keep you out of the ditch. And they're your, they're your representative to the church board. Okay. As soon as they agree to mentor you, you're an official ministry of our church. Then go recruit your flock, start ministering to him, lead him to Jesus and into his final movement. She said, yeah. I said, you got it? She said, yeah. And I got up and preached. She's turned loose. Three minutes to start a ministry. But she has some checkpoints to go, but she knows what they are. It's not some wandering in the wilderness 40 years to figure out how to do my ministry. 
It's not taking large batteries of spiritual gifts to figure out what my ministry is. Just if God gave you the idea, make sure of your connection with him. Find a few partners, brainstorm it, get somebody in the church board who agrees, and then go after leading people to Jesus and into his church. So in our bulletin, where we put down church board mentor and had the names and phone numbers, at the top it said, if God has given you an idea for a ministry or a group, find a few partners, find a mentor on the church board, and start leading people to Jesus and into his final movement. And when people would show up at church to visit, they realized this is a place I can get active for Jesus right now. We need to have every Adventist church like that. Okay? And if that's not there yet where you're at, help it become there quickly. Quickly. Okay? So the four connections is a wonderful and rapid way to get things going in starting a ministry or group. Now, those groups and ministries don't have to last forever. You can have a teenager that says, I want to start a skateboard ministry. Well, you know, how would your church do with a skateboard ministry? But the skateboard ministry doesn't have to take place on church property. There's a better place. It's right down there at the skateboard park where all the kids are hanging out that skateboard. And so God gives you that teenager that idea. They find a few buddies or teenagers who like to skateboard. And they say, how can we use this to help lead people to Jesus and help them get involved? And then they find somebody on the church board who will be their mentor. And they look down through, well, they don't, they don't say hi to me. They don't say hi to me. I'm a teenager. They don't say, they do. They're the really friendly ones to all the teenagers. And they ask them, whoever it is. And what do you think that adult will say? I'm honored to. What are your plans? Well, have you thought about this? Oh, yeah, we should have thought about that. Okay, well, we can work that. Have you thought about that? Oh, yeah, we ought to think about that. And then when church board meeting comes and there's a time for their ministry reports, that mentor says, I'd like to report we have a new ministry in our church. It's a skateboarding ministry. It's led by so-and-so, and these are their partners. They're meeting down at the park every Tuesday evening at this time, and they are already built a list of 10 of their friends who like to skateboard, who they are praying for that they'll come to Jesus. Why not? God gave one of our members the idea to have a soccer league. Not a soccer team, a soccer league. And it, he... He lived about 15 miles from the church building and he saw he knew this giant field where he could use. So our soccer ministry was about 15 miles from our church building. But so what? We'll go anywhere to win people. And he had seven teams that each paid their fees and the trophies and all the rest. And before they would start any game, they gather them around and they'd have prayer. Well, they couldn't find soccer leagues like that anywhere. And they give them literature and they pray for them. We start baptizing some people. Okay? So it, it can happen if we let God's people go. But there are checks and balances. If you look at all four of those, the key checks and balances are right there. You don't have to have 50 committees who shoot it down until they can't find anything left at the bottom. Just do it. Okay? Do it. And if you are a young person, you say, I don't know if that's going to work. All you need is get a few people of your friends and you make that plan. And all you need to find is one person on the church board that agrees to mentor you. 
Now, the rest of the church board may not quite understand what's going on, but that mentor will help you, and they will also speak on your behalf to the board, and it'll bless everybody. Okay? So, what questions do you have on that? Oh, I see the time. You don't have time for any questions. I'm sorry. Okay. Um, All right. (laughs) Okay. All right, we'll wrap this up. Okay, I'm gonna, if you give me two more minutes, I'm going to wrap this up. Here we go. Three-minute training. I tried so many times to do all kinds of training for people. And I, you know when the best time to train church members is? You know when the best time is? I used to think it was, well, over a weekend. And then I thought, well, Sabbath afternoon. We'd be begging people to come back Sabbath afternoon. Please stay by. We have a guest trainer. We're all at, you know the best time to train people? I found for me was three minutes before I preached. (laughs) Step into the pulpit. The music is played. Everybody's ready to go into nap time because the preacher's going to (laughs) preach. And I say, just before we open God's word, I want to share with you something. Now, I'm going to ask you to pick one thing on that list. Okay, contact cards. Okay, that, that's in place of a guest book. You have a contact card. You know, we talked about it in the last seminar. So let's say that this Sabbath, just before I preach, I'm going to talk about contact cards. So I say, just before we open God's Word, I'd like everybody to look at the seat back in front of them. Do you see those cards? Do we? I want everybody to take one of those out. Let's take a look at it, see what it has on it. Notice it asks for your information, contact information. It asks if you want to know the Bible better. Some of you here today want to know the Bible better. You may have been coming to this church for 40 years, but you still want to know the Bible better. Check that box. Don't be ashamed. Another says, I'd like to have Bible study. I'd like to join a group. You know, everyone needs to be a part of several groups. A Sabbath school group, a ministry group, Bible study group, mission group. We need to be part of groups. That's how the early church lived. That's how we find encouragement from each other. So you can check that and we will get in touch with you and try to match you up with the group. And then the third says, I'd like to prepare for baptism. There are some here who should be in a baptism in the near future. We have one every fourth Sabbath here and you should be there. You check that. We'll get you all prepared so you're ready for that. So be sure that you turn that in to in the offering when it goes by or to any of the leaders you see around or in the in the um, drop box in the lobby. And we will follow up with you this coming week, early in the week. All right, let's bow our heads and now we'll get into God's word. Wow. <laughs> you see what just happened? Yeah. I, took, I did a three-minute training when I had the most people in a brief time. Okay? So this is especially good for pastors, but it can be integrated into a lot of churches, a lot of places. Okay, now we got to go. Um, here is one other, a powerful statement for those of you who might be mentors or whether you're young people or mentoring others or adults mentoring. These four words, I see in you, which is really saying I see in you. Here at this conference, a man came up to me who is in my, one of my churches. And he said, tell your wife thank you again for back a number of years ago when she told my son, I see in you someone who could go places, you need to be at Southwestern Adventist University. And that's where he went. And he's graduating this year. And it looks like he may have found a bride there. He didn't have to go to get your companion. He went to that place to find. Okay. And he just told me that two days ago, right here. It's powerful 
when you love somebody and you say, I see in you the possibility of being a missionary someday. I see in you somebody who could help us um, spread the word maybe through glow tracks or something else. I see in you somebody who is a great, could be a great prayer warrior. Powerful way to mobilize people because you, we are helping them see what God sees in, in them and God sees even more in them than that. Okay. All right. So no time for questions. Sorry about that. Let's, do, let's close out this way. I'll just have prayer. Father in heaven, thank you so much for giving us something to do in your work. Thank you for helping us see beyond just showing up. Help us to do what we can to advance your cause. And so, Lord, I pray that these humble efforts of mine will result in many, many people mobilized for mission and ministry. Not only these here, but as they go back to their churches and friends and groups to mobilize many others. In Jesus' precious name, amen. This message was recorded at the GYC to the end in Houston, Texas. GYC, a supporting ministry of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, seeks to inspire young people to be Bible-based, Christ-centered, and soul-winning Christians. To download or purchase other resources like this, visit us online at gycweb.org.